welcome back. This is the Eccles Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Terrence Eccles. And today I have the privilege of talking to one of my very good friends, uh, Mr. Sean McGee. Sean is an assistant coach at Manhattanville College. Uh, he is a recent Marist uh, College graduate. And uh, I'm happy to talk to him today. Sean, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be talking to you, of course. Um, your last podcast with Eddie was great. So I'm going to have to match that, of course. I mean, no one's beating Cash. Uh, so, I, <laughs> I mean, could try, though. I could hey, try. Hey, Sean, you got heart, bro, but ain't, ain't nobody beating Cash, I'm telling you. All right. So let's first get – let's get right into it. Uh, you're right. a graduate assistant coach at Manhattanville College. Uh, obviously, you love the game of basketball. So when did you fall in love with the game of basketball? Well, playing-wise, you know, obviously I wasn't the most talented player or the most athletic. And oh, we know. Yeah, we know. And you know especially. Um, but obviously that love for the game happened at a very young age playing, especially with my father, obviously. He's probably the biggest reason why I fell in love with basketball, and he coached me as a player all the way up till probably 10th grade. And then at the end of 10th grade, I really went from wanting to – wanting to really coach the game rather than play and, and look at the X's and O's and scouting reports, stuff like that. And I was interested so much in that as aspect of the game rather than playing the game, because I knew that that could impact the game as much as me playing and me playing didn't impact the game as much as my mental capacity <laughs> of the game. Right. So literally 10th grade, I tell this, I, anyone who asks, which if there's people who watch this or listen to this, know that in 10th grade, you know, I was five, five, whatever. I was small. Right. And I was on a, a, a AAU elite team and all the time I'm playing guards that are six, six feet tall or five, 10. And every time I go in, they're just like, post them up, post them up. Cause I'm the small kid. I'm just like, all right, I'm done with this. Like that's all that that's, that's what happened. And uh, so I turned to coaching cause obviously I've seen my dad from age five till then it was 16. And I said, I want to go try coaching so I started helping out with Brewster which you know I've helped out with for with a long time um and first when I first started it was more like manager stuff maybe I kept track of fouls um and stuff and maybe got water and stuff and then after you know as the season progressed I did I did more things and help with practices run shot clock stuff like that and then as we got into the second season then I you know then you know you as a young age and even now what I'm gonna have to do at Manhattanville, you have to prove that you know what you're doing and you know what you're talking about. So even at the varsity level at Brewster, which isn't the highest level of basketball, it's public public school basketball, I had to prove that I can help the program in, in one way or, or another, right? And so once I showed the head coach, my dad was the assistant coach, that I actually could contribute and know what I'm talking about. Then as the seasons went on and I got older, then I went started to you know, do fouls, timeouts, and give suggestions during games. Like, hey, I think we should go zone. Hey, they're kind of beating us here. We should do this or, or that, right? Um, and then it progressed into, Sean, we're playing this team in a week. Can you go scout them and go film them and write notes and make the scouting report yourself, and we'll go off your scouting report? Um, and I still remember the first time that happened, and me as a young guy, like, getting that trust to do it, I felt very good. But at the same time, you have pressure, like, the team's going to rely on your scouting report. Um, and, and the fact that they had trust in me to do that, like 17, 18 years old was really, really, it was, I, I'm, I'm blessed and like fortunate for that because I got that experience at such a young age and me not being a player, it's so much harder to move up in the ranks of coaching in, in college, especially being a manager. And I'm, and Eddie knows that as well. Um, so getting this experience, getting that experience at a young age, just built that passion. Uh, and then when I, once I got the Marist, I was like, the next natural progression is to become a manager. Um, and I did that while still helping out with Brewster as much as I could. And Brewster gave me that like taste of still coaching, but then, and being a manager at Marist made me see what it takes to coach at a division one level and be around a division one program. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. And now I'm going to be able to coach at a division three level and see all the ins and outs that has to give me and take all those experience and hopefully keep moving on in my coaching career. 
that was kind of a loaded answer, but I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it was it was very well said, Sean. I, I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> I am a, it, I am a communications uh, graduate, so right. Yeah, it's like you have a podcast yourself. Uh, uh-huh. If you haven't checked it out, I came on Sean's podcast not very long ago. Uh, so you kind of got into your experiences growing up playing for your dad, and and we'll talk about your dad in a little bit. But uh, talk to me about like what it was like in terms of what you had available to you in terms of playing growing up. As like as me as a player, yeah. So for me as a player, I started out with you know rec leagues, right? Start of rec leagues, and then that turned into you know summers. I was always doing summer camps with my dad's or my dad's friends who also were coaches at the high school level. They would do camps all the time. That's really really where it first started. You know, I'm talking about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then as I got into into middle school and maybe even fifth grade. I think it was fifth grade. I started to get into AAU basketball, you know, nothing crazy. I'm not talking about like EYBL and the bigger circuits and stuff like that, of course, but I got into AAU basketball um, with Playmakers Academy, which, you know, Elijah Hughes, that's where he started. He's from Beacon. Um, Coach Kenny Dawson, who's the director of Playmakers, great guy. He helped me a lot with player development. And then obviously he was another reason why I got into coaching as well. Um, And so that's where, you know, from, from I'd say fifth grade to 10th grade, I was doing Playmakers AAU basketball and I played some really competitive games, whether that was at tournaments in New Jersey, like we played the, um, the city rats one time. They're a very big AAU program. City rocks. City rocks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. City rocks. Like, and uh, you know, that was a competitive game. So like we played in some big tournaments, but then as I got older, you know, we get like zero gravity tournaments. I won a zero gravity tournament with my team once. Um, and as we got older though, you know, I, I definitely got better, but also there was tons of players that were way beyond my, my playing capabilities for sure. And definitely at more athletic than me. Um, and even though I was on this AAU elite team playing in really good tournaments, if I got in, you know, I was getting in for two to four minutes a game. Um, and I just thought, you know, not that it's a waste of my time and I loved all the players that I played with, but I said, I know my strength is on the mental side and, and helping my team in a different way. Well, I'm not really, not that I wasn't having fun, but I know that I can help it more in a different way. And I said, why am I playing basically? I'm not going to necessarily go pro. I knew that. I already knew that in 10th grade. I'm not going to go pro at, as a player. But there is a possibility that I could become a college coach or or a professional coach somewhere because of my love and passion for the game and my knowledge of the game for for such a young kid. Um, And I think that's where the playing and the coaching kind of collided for me. And I said, even though I haven't played at a college level, um, I play a lot of basketball and I've been a manager. So I think me going to Manhattanville and being an assistant coach is the next step, which where I still have to prove myself that I can coach at the college level. Uh, absolutely and and that's just going to continue to be uh, what you have to do throughout anything you do in life is just continue to work improve yourself and everything that you do uh so who did you watch like who are some of your favorite teams favorite players uh professional or college that you watched growing up yeah one of my favorite coaches off the top of my head um is brad stevens on the celtics um, because he gets his players to play extremely hard and he gets them to play together too. Um, and at the pro level, obviously that's not always the easiest task. Um, and his story is absolutely fantastic too. In my opinion about, he had a great, he had a good job before coaching. He volunteered at Butler for one or two years. Then one of the assistants left, they said, Hey, we'll give you the assistant coaching job. He left his, his full-time job that was outside of basketball to become an assistant coach then the head coach at Butler left and he got there and obviously he had two great final four runs with Gordon Hayward as well. Um, and then the next step was becoming the head coach of the Celtics. And he was the youngest head coach in NBA history at the time. I don't know if he still is, but at the time he was, I don't know who, if there would be someone that's younger than him. Right. Um, uh, maybe but, Ryan Saunders on the Timberwolves. Yeah, that, yes, you're right. That I think that's the guy who recently beat him. Okay. Um, but for me, seeing him at a young age, like he, when he first started coaching, I believe there was a couple of players that were actually older than him on the, <laughs> on the Celtics. Uh, and like, 
it made me believe that like my biggest thing when I was younger, I always thought either some kids my age or like, or some other coaches that I coached again, coached against, excuse me, that didn't necessarily give me respect or, or kind of, I don't want to say laughed at, but they were just like, what is this kid doing more or less? Um, and Brad Stevens was like my living example of he's a young guy and he's made it. Like, why can't I be on that same path as well? Um, another more great coaches and programs is like Dean Smith in North Carolina and how he conducted that program for many, many years and, and watching that or Jimmy V obviously who's passed away with North Carolina state um, that he, him as well. And how like the, his way, how he built a culture, like yep. obviously the X's and O's are important, but like building a culture and a great atmosphere of a program is just as important. I think like he did obviously the best, well, he's one of the best to do it. Um, and so those are just a few coaches and programs that like I've looked from um, in that I've looked, looked for inspiration and what I could do as a coach as well. And then obviously the biggest thing that's great. And I studying the game, the coaches is great, but the hands-on experience is like one of the biggest things for me. So getting the, getting at Brewster, which, co which the head coach is Tom Nelligan. He's literally won a New York state championship with John F. Kennedy, which is a, a Catholic school. Um, and he, and he's been to the final four with them as well too. So he, he won one and got to the final four and just learning from him at age 17 gave me so much. And then I learned from coach Dunn and also coach maker and that previous staff. And you get these two completely different basketball philosophies and you, you, you pick and take, from all these different philosophies and how to build a program, what's the right way. And, and then in your own mind, you, you say, what, if I got my own program one day and I was a head coach, what, what do I take from this? And what do I take from that to make a successful program? And I think that's the biggest thing and the biggest um, teaching points and learning points for me as a young coach is taking all of it in and kind of deciphering what, do, what, what do I want? But as of right now, as an assistant coach, Obviously, it's reinforcing the current my current head coach Chris Alisi, who's an awesome guy. His basketball philosophy and go right. out and get wins and make sure these kids are doing good in school. Absolutely, yeah. I you honestly couldn't have said it best. I think coaching or any art form or basketball is an art form. It, it, it's it's just that easy. Anything that you know takes a lot of skill and practice and patience. Uh, you're going to see people, you're going to have examples of others who do so, do something right, do something wrong. And you just have to, you, you have to pick and choose what you want, pieces, bits and pieces of uh, what different people do, what different people say. And it's just, uh, you put together your own sort of masterpiece, uh, which is, you know, your team and your philosophy and what you guys do on the court. And I, I think that you couldn't have said it better uh, by putting it that way. And so uh, getting into, you know, some of the other things you did uh, while at Maris, I, you've obviously mentioned being a manager and working with the team a lot, but, you know, you're also interested in other uh, media. You, you're a writer, you're a podcaster. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, some of your other uh, avenues or interests. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, for me, basketball obviously is number one right but I you know me I love all sports and that's why I was a sports comm major yep um you know I love soccer almost yes soccer as much as basketball. yeah I was gonna um, say and my way of of writing and doing podcasts and you know these different things I've done making highlights or some things like that gives like me you were working on an app for a while too I was I all, that, that. that's actually that was not sports related that was just yeah. me trying to do I, I also like I I also love business I, I had a business minor um and I actually ended up dropping because I would have had to stay another semester just to take four business classes and I didn't want to do that I would have yeah. I would have it would have killed me um but I really do I really do uh love business and that that alone gave me experiences that I have applied to coaching and and, and just working in a professional setting so like when I had meetings with CEOs of different software companies or uh, AI companies, whatever it was, right. Technology companies uh, like those all prepared me. Cause I'm 18, 19 having these real professional calls um, and you learn how to email and what's the proper way to talk in the professional fields, even though it's a different profession, 
um, it still can be applied to this. And like, so you learn how to, how to write an email. So specifically if I wrote what I learned there, I could have learned how to, what's the right way to contact a coach. Say, Hey coach, when I was, when I was job searching, for example, say, Hey coach, this is who I am, blah, blah, blah. And and things like that. And you learn how to communicate with other professionals. Um, I know it was a little off topic, but so like you take different things, like just what I was saying before, you take from different experiences and you, you mix them together to, to learn and grow, to make yourself as a better individual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely get that. And uh, you know, what about the manager process? You know, let's talk about Marist a little bit. Uh, yes, you just sir. spent three years there. Yep. You're, you're repping it right now. And uh, you just finished off your, your last year there. You're your early graduate. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but talk to me about your experience as a manager for the Marist men's basketball team. Well, first things first is I would have not even be talking to you in this podcast about my Manhattanville job if I wasn't a manager at Marist. And that's just the, that's the truth. That's a fact. So everything I've done up to this point has led me to where I am today. Um, And somehow, somehow, like it all works out in the end. Um, It's, it's weird, but it's weird how everything kind of works out. it's just life. Right. Um, but talking about being a a manager at Marist, it was like the best thing for me. Like, like I talked about how Brewster gave me that passion, like being a manager at Marist only amplified that. Um, you know, when we had the first year and we had that staff and that staff got, got let go, like you saw the business in college basketball right there and coach maker got let go. And I think, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. I, I cried. I mean, I cried when he got let go and everyone got let go. And like the one thing I really appreciate in, in our program, especially, and you've seen it firsthand too, now being a walk-on is like the family atmosphere with the guys is like oh, outstanding. Yeah. And I never, you know, like it's easy to be like, if you were a player and just look at us as managers. Right. But like, I didn't necessarily necessarily feel as I was a manager and that goes with like the players and the coaches. So I felt so a part of it that that's one of the reasons why I think I was a good candidate for coach Alicia at Manhattanville. The fact that after games, coach Dunn felt, felt comfortable talking to me about for 15, 20 minutes, why we did this or why we did that. What do we have to do better? And things like that. And to a manager, like he didn't have to spend time to talk to me after a loss or something like that. Like I'm, I'm just, honestly, I'm just a manager, but like he took his time out to do that. Or, yep. you know, Dorian, obviously the Dobo at yep. Marist. Like he, so, I mean, there was times he spent an hour just talking to me about different stories and, and telling me, diff, showing me different plays, like, or coach Kevin Driscoll. He'd show me Princeton, pulled me out, showed me 30 minutes of Princeton offense and the different actions in it. And at the yep. time I'm like, how do I remember all this? But the fact like he took, the time out of his day to like show me that stuff is a big reason as to why I am where I am. Um, so you talk about like my experience being a Marist, man- Marist manager and like, I have nothing but like good emotions that like when you add, like if anyone ever asked me, what was it like to be a manager at Marist? Like, I'm going to tell you, it was like the best time of my life. I mean, I got to travel. I got to go to Ireland. I got to be with a division one program and be with division one players for three years of my life. And hopefully I will someday get back to division one as a coach and say, I can do that and be in a, in a program again. Um, but the fact of how much I, I learned something new every day, whether it was with filming and synergy to X's and O's, how to run a practice, how to deal with certain players, different drills. I mean, for me as a coach, it was like a, it was like a, a dream or a blessing to be able to go every day, have a practice and see how the coaches conduct themselves. Because one day I would like to be in their shoes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like I said, Shawnee, you, you couldn't have said it better. It was a pleasure working with you, being with you, oh, you know for, those, for this past three years. Honestly, honestly, uh, I wish it was four, but I ain't going right. to pay $50,000 just to be a manager again. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I mean, if you got the credits, you might as well, you might as well graduate. And, and I respect that uh, completely. And uh, while you were there, you, you had a lot of responsibilities, but I think probably your biggest responsibility uh, was handling the film. And people mm -hmm. don't understand how important film is and, and oh, it's getting important. practice and games and, and scouting and how important that is for every aspect of the game, like recruiting, like how, how important film is to a coach, you know, and, and you had a ha very hands-on experience with that. So uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, what that did for you. In terms yeah, this of might be a little long answer. So keep me, <laughs> keep me on, on track here. But like you said, like when I first, the first year I kind of just filmed and Scott Day, who was a dope at the time, kind of just dealt with it. Right. The yeah. biggest, one of the big, I told you about how it was a blessing to be a manager. One of the biggest blessings I had was Dorian, Dorian Long gave me a lot of freedom to figure it out and say, you're handling film. You need to learn, you know, synergy, sports code, converting it into an MP4 and say, it, it, I'm letting it be your show. Like I trust you. And this is really like, if, if I were to mess it up, it's really on him. So for him to give me that trust was really, really important to me. Um, so like we're talking about at first, you know, it's a little daunting because you're trying to learn these different things and, and it's, you got to do it fast, especially on a game day after that, that, that final horn blows and you go, the clock goes to zero, like it's go time to, you got most teams, you know, some teams have sports code, some teams don't. For people who are listening who don't know what sports code is, it's just a uh, basically like a, a video software, software where yeah. you can cut up clips and the game goes straightly recorded into a sports code file. Now, an MP4 file is like a regular just movie file, which is right. what most people like because it's, it works on any laptop or computer. You can put it so, into any software. Exactly, exactly. So basically some teams don't have a sports code, uh, don't have the sports code program. So I'd have to, right after that horn blows, I have to make that sports code file into an MP4, then put it on a hard drive after I, after I put, convert it to an MP4, then run and find this. This sometimes is the hardest part because the Dobos or other managers have so much things to do on an away game as well is to find the person um, to then get their laptop and put it on or get their hard drive and put it on their hard drive. Um, and then after that, even at home games, your job's not done as in after I give them the film and I make sure they have it. And also you have to make sure that it works on their laptop because if I give them either a film that doesn't work or the wrong one and they're on the bus home, that's, it's, it's bad. Trust me. Yeah. It is bad. Um, so then after that, I have to go upstairs, put the game on the server because there's a server and, and it's, and once you get into the flow of this, and which I've been for two years, it's, it's, I, it, I do it fast. But at first, yeah. like I said, it was daunting. Like I have to remember all these things and I can't mess up because if the coaches, if coach Dunn goes home without the film, Dorian's going to get the call at two in the morning saying, Hey, where's the film? And he's yeah. going to have to drive back and it's on me. And then I feel bad. Right. Yeah. Um, that happened one time. Oh, uh, so, so basically, even though I put it on the server, so the server the, I have to make sure all the coaches pull it off the server as well. Right. Um, so that's what happened. I put it on the server, but coach Dunn didn't drag it off the server onto his laptop. And so that's what, ha that's when Dorian had to go back and get, take his laptop and get it for him and things like that. So, and, but then after the server, then I have to put it on synergy. So I have to take that MP4 file I made. My and goodness, then, Sean. Yes. And then this I got it. Is... And then I have to do pick the right game on synergy, do game upload and basically upload it and wait till it uploads. So that makes, so basically every team in the Mac is required to put the home team is required to put the game film on. So every team has the game film so they can scout and do like that. That's just the rules. So we have to do that after every game. And if you don't, and, and if it also has to have sound and everything, so it ha or you get, you technically get fined uh, things like okay. that. So like, it's really important that like you follow all the rules and, the, and that's an MP4 file. So it goes back to the trusting of Dorian that Dorian just like, like you said, Oh my God, there's a lot of things to do there. Um, but like for him to trust me, like I gained a lot of experience, which helped me get the Manhattanville job uh, from, from, for, from Dorian giving me or, or allowing me to do all those things and those freedoms to learn. 
those things and just trust me that I'm going to get it right. Now, were there some hiccups along the way? Of course that happens. Um, and you problem solve. Like one of the worst things is when either the server's down for home games and then I have to go to each individual coach and give them a hard drive. And sometimes the coaches are out doing different things um, after games and that's totally normal. But then I'm the last guy there, like between the players and the other managers, I, there, a lot of times I was the last guy there and then that's, and that's okay. Um, but like you just learn on the go uh, and that's, and film is just so vitally important in all divisions, junior college as well, and especially NBA. And, and they all use it, like you said, to scout, show players what they can improve on and they cut it up themselves. So like if they don't have that film, like they could fall behind, um, which could be obviously bad, like when you're in the midst of, of a season, right? Right. Um, and one last, one last thing before you move on to the next question is the time when we were playing Siena um, and, and Coach Serge, it was Serge's scout, and Serge let me use Synergy and make do a personnel edit. Um, like even that, like the fact that he trusted me to do that. Now, I did not do the best job in that. Um, it was my first time and I wasn't exactly sure what I was looking for in, in personnel. I thought I got tendencies and stuff like that, but he said I got more like actions and plays they ran for specific players. But he said like a lot of the clips he still used, but he just diff- used them in different ways to show different right. actions and things like that. Um, but the fact that he thought that I was ready and trusted me to, Hey, can you do the personnel for Sienna um, at a division one level too? Uh, even that experience doing that and try and then talking to him afterwards of, of this is what you kind of did, but this is what you you should look for. Like that experience right there. I already have, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I got experience on how to make a personnel edit and different types of it, like under, under out of bounds and what they run here and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. And, um, yeah, I mean, you just you just gave us a huge. It was. I told you, you gotta cut me off. Pretty much everything you had to do. I mean, for it's good. It's good that you are able to you know articulate this and, and talk about this because that was your experience. And and if anyone's listening, uh, who who is thinking about becoming a manager or thinking about handling film and what it takes to manage that, just that that piece of the game that is so integral it may be it may be like a small part of it but it's so important to uh, what a program how a program is run um what happens in terms of uh practice and what happens in the weight room what happens um in the film room like you could you could you could relate that to you know film and scouting you could really you could relate that to pretty much any aspect of the game and I, I felt like that was such that was so important for you and like just watching from afar over these past few years, watching you do that and, and handle that and be at every single game, working every single game and, and be up in the up in in that up tiny top. little box. Always up, up, up top, top with the, the orange the vest. Arena. Yeah, with watching the orange you, vest on. Exactly. The the orange vest so you don't fall off yep. of the thing, even though you weren't really gonna it's pretty <laughs> hard to fall off that thing. It is. You you have to try. Yeah, you'd really have to try. And um yeah, just just watching you do that, I was I was like, you know, Sean's doing something that, you know, I could never do that I don't understand one bit. Like I've never touched a <laughs> film camera in my we life. We always said we always said Terrence was the last one to touch the camera. If like yeah. if, if we needed a fill in for me, Terrence is on the end of the list. Yeah, honestly, I had never even like looked at a camera. I've never looked at a camera in, in my years of of working there and and you know, just seeing you go through all that and, and knowing uh, the responsibility that was on your back, you know, that's admirable. And, and I appreciate you for that. You definitely helped out, you know, everyone Thanks, in the program by doing that and working hard and showing up and being diligent, uh, you know. But one thing about you, Sean, <laughs> you are brutally honest. Hey, you have to be. everything. You have, and, have and, to be. Hey, hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you on that in terms of the importance of honesty, but sometimes you say things that could A be hurtful for the person you're saying it to, or B be hurtful for you. 
most importantly, more importantly. Well, uh, yeah, because when you, people you say, like you take it, when people like you take it the wrong way, then you try to hit me. That's happened multiple times. Hey, son, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny. You're not going to incriminate yourself yeah, on your own I, podcast? Yeah, I'm not going to deny or confirm <laughs> I have tried to hit you after you've said something that may have been brutally honest to me, you know? Huh? But, you know, where do you get that from? Why are you so honest and why are you just not afraid to, like, speak your mind in a lot of situations? You know, my PR director for myself told me to watch out for this question. Who's that? I was just making a joke. Oh. But, <laughs> but honestly, like, I've always kind of been, been that way um, from a young age. And I think I obviously a little bit has to – you know my dad. My dad, you know, yep. he can make a joke and be, be like that as well. But, like, for me, some – and as a coach too, like, I, I would – you know, it's a little different between Division One players and high school players that maybe might play D3. Most of them don't at Brewster. But one of, like, this is my, my viewpoint on it is, especially for Division One players, like you're, you're playing high-level basketball. Now, do I joke around and be honest about you threw the ball five times away? Like, what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? Do I do that sometimes? Yeah. But, like, when, like, players, like, you know, I had some players that asked me serious questions, and I think the only way for them to – to improve is to be brutally honest with them. Like if you're, if you're not, if your ball handling is, 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 is not good and you're dropping the ball on every catch, like there's something you, you can't play. Like you, you need to improve that. Like that's just the honest truth. And, I, and it's better to say that to a player and have them work on it. Now, does that mean that players that you've, you know, there's pl plenty of players that I was brutally honest with that Maris. Does that mean yep. if I was brutally honest about, one thing let's just say ball handling for example that they weren't great shooters like the, everyone, you're obviously playing at division one level for a reason like you you are exceptionally talented at something for whether it's rebounding setting screens defensive end like you are extremely talented in that area but there's always areas to improve your game there's always is um and i think my personality about how you know how i'm really honest and and there's been players that they're like dang sean you're really gonna say that like but I am going to say it because, like, you the, – the first step in improving your game is acknowledging your weaknesses. So if I can get you to acknowledge your weakness and then get in the gym and work on that weakness, which then in turn helps you in the game, and then that helps the team win, then ultimately, as a manager definitely, I feel like I've done my part in trying to help at least. Obviously, I'm not a coach. I can't impact it the exact ways that the coaches can. But I can try to do my best. I can do what I can to try to impact the, the program in a positive way. And I think my brutal, my brutal honesty is what you call it. Yeah. I, think, I think that was my way of trying to get the players to improve and acknowledge that there's things that you can work on. Um, and for the most part, you know, most of the players that I talked to at Marist, you know, I think a lot of them really respected me. It, it, unless behind closed doors they were talking back <laughs> about me, right? But, yeah. you know, I, I've had – there there was times where I had 20-minute, 30-minute conversation with specific players about, you know, what happened in the game and what do you think – you know, they're asking me, what do you think I can work on? How does my form look in my shot and things like that? And, you know, there's been plenty of times where guys have been in the gym and I'm rebounding for them and they ask me questions of what does this look good and things like that. And for me – if those little bit, you know, even me getting into the gym and helping them rebound and getting shots up at nighttime after practice, like if that's helps us win, obviously we haven't, Marist hasn't necessarily had the best records in the past, you know, five, 10 years, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean the coaching staff and the players in that program are not trying extremely hard. And if I could be a part of if, or if I could have been a part of making the program a winning program, then that was my way to do it and impact the program in that way. So I think that's kind of the, where the brutal honesty comes from. But the same thing is I'm, I'm not, so I guess the word is vulgar with the high school kids, but I'm same thing with the, with, with the high school kids. Like if I have, there's kids that I've coached that, you know, are selfish and don't pass the ball at the high school level, I'm, you know, and they get subbed down and I just say straight up, like, if you don't pass the ball, you're not playing. 
Like you need to use your teammates and find better shots and have better shot selection. I'm not going to baby you, even if you're our best player. And that's happened. And that's happened as well. So like, it's that brutal honesty, which I think I don't just say things to say things. I know, I know that's a little hard to believe coming from myself and you, and yeah. there's probably people that, that think that But everything I say, especially to a player, I, I feel like it has a meaning and it has a message to make that player better. If that makes sense with my brutal honesty. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I bring that up because, you know, when you think about who you are and I think, Oh, Sean McGee in my head, I think, Oh, that's the kid that's going to tell it like it is. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't really sugarcoat things. He he'll really, he doesn't, he doesn't care if he hurts your feelings. You know, he doesn't really care. That is care true. I do care that. a little bit because I, I, I have feelings <laughs> myself. So hey, I do care. And that, right. that's, that's the thing not to cut you off, but like, that's the no, thing. Like I'm, I'm brutally honest with players, right? I am like, like you said, I'm brutally honest with them, but at the same time, I am because I care about them. Like I talked about like literally 15 minutes ago, I talked about the family atmosphere that Marist, the program had. And I loved every single one of those players because I honestly felt like we were a family. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all picked each other when we were down and we all had fun when we were up. And the reason why I bring that up is because it's easy for me to be brutally honest with these guys because I know at the end of the day, they care about me and I, and they know I care about them. So if I'm being really honest with them, they know it's just coming from a place of me trying to make them better. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you speak to that being a family, you know, my often my rebuttal to uh, when, when you would say something that, you know, I didn't think you should have said, I would always be like, you know what, Sean, one of these days, the stuff you're going to say is going to get you hurt. And, you know, to see you, graduated from Maris unscathed it really shows how how much the guys love and respected your opinion you know because there were times where I was like Sean you should not have said that and and you know you you said it and it was in your heart it was on your mind and you thought it would you thought it would help the person that you said it to and you know and in in the end we all know who you are we all respected you we all loved you and I mean, it is what it is. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't approach it in the same way you did, but that's why you and I are different people, you know? And, yeah. and I, I respected what you did, even though I would often warn you, I'd be like, Sean, <laughs> would not say that. We're not going to, we're not going to. We we're know that there. happened a decent amount of times. I know. I know. Right. But I think I, I, I think in the end, people know that's my personality. Yeah. So like, it's nothing personal ever. You know what I mean? Right. It's not, it's not personal at all. Um, and, and at the end of the day, like I've already said, like it's all love, like what you said. And, and in that group of guys, especially last year, we didn't have, we didn't have the best record, but like that was a, I'll say it right now. That was a special group. That Absolutely. was a special, we didn't have the best year, but the amount of, or I should say camaraderie how hard they worked. Has. Yeah, the, the, how hard they worked for not having a good record should be recognized and noticed. Absolutely, and and the camaraderie just is on another level. I've never been on a team uh, where everyone got along so well. Everyone with hangs a losing out record, with each other. Yeah, true. Because that you too. Think, you think kids would turn on each other, mm-hmm. but they knew that at any given night, especially in the MAC, when we got the conference play, it didn't matter what the record was. Like they could beat anybody. Yep. They, I think they believe that. We, and it showed with the amount of one to two possession games we lost. Yeah. And hopefully this year, you guys get over that hump. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for that too. You know, I, I definitely think we can do it for sure. And, uh, you know, you've mentioned him a few times. And, of course, I have to ask, your dad is the, the man. You know, he would always be at practices. He would uh-huh. always come to games. And he would always, you know, talk to – talk to you, um, you know, around whenever you would be around Marist. And it was cool that since you had grown up so close to the school to see him all the time, um, mm-hmm. talk to, talk about the effect of your dad on you, not only like uh, your, your career in basketball and coaching and writing and all that, but, you know, just in terms of, you know, in life. Oh, I mean, we can spend a long time on this topic, but <laughs> Uh, like, like what you said, like my dad being at practices and he was basically at like every home game, unless he had a game at Brewster. Like that was one of the only reasons why he wouldn't be at a Marist home game 
Um, and my, I, I really owe everything to him. Um, from a young age, he pushed me. I mean, the whole reason I, I love basketball so much is really because of him, right? Um, there's so many thoughts going through my head right now about him, what to say. There's so many positive things. I, I think me being at Marist and being manager, I kind of like, he, I feel like he's always wanted to do something like that as well. So he's kind of lived me. He's kind of lived his, his kind of dream of being with a division one program through me yeah. a little bit, but having yeah. him there, having him there with me um, and coming to the games and talking to me afterwards or at, or coming to a practice and being there and like him being close, like it was, it, it, it it's amazing to me. Um, like the support level, because I go back to being younger. Like I was maybe, I think I always knew I wanted to go to Marist from um, especially once my brother went and I saw how beautiful the campus was. And I did a pre-college thing there. Yeah. Um, and I said, this place is awesome. I love it. And I'm going to go there, but it, tell that this is the complete honest truth. I was going to go there probably for business at first. Um, but my dad knew, he knew that more, he knew that I love sports more. Um and 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 though I went to the pre-college thing as a sports com uh, student, and he knew that's what I really loved more. But I was thinking, you know, maybe the safer thing is to do to do business. And yep. you know, there's a lot of dads or parents that would probably tell their kid to take the safer route um, and, and get that business degree. But like my dad was kind of like the the opposite, like the reverse way. Like he saw something that I loved. And he said, you do what you love. You're not going to do something that the business route and safe, like do so, do what you love and stick with it. And then, you know, that was me getting the sports com. And then as well as, you know, I mean, if he's not assistant, like, I mean, if he's not an assistant coach at Brewster where he's just not a coach, I'm, I guess like I'm saying like, I don't know if I'm on a high school team coaching at such a young age without him as well. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I get that chance. So I, like I, that's part where me and my, I have friends all the time that joke about uh, like my relationship with my dad and how strong it is Right. Uh, that like, it's partly so strong because he's big reason why I'm getting to live out my dream. Like I really say that even though I'm coaching D3 as a graduate assistant, like, my dream from a young age has been the coach at the college level. And like, I wouldn't know where I would be nowhere close to that without him. Um, right. And like, it goes to show like how important, uh, you know, role models and, and guardians can be on a person's life. Uh, and I'm forever grateful for, for my dad and getting me involved with basketball and then letting me knowing that that's my passion and letting me continue it as I go on, not that saying like, he never was like, uh, the manager's taking too much time from school or, or you're not, you know, you need to be focusing on this or that, like whatever I wanted to focus on because of my, like whatever my passion was, like if my passion was tennis, he would support (laughs) me in tennis too. Like he, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't care. And like, that's one of the biggest blessings I've had as a kid, because I literally have friends that have, have parents that said, you know, we want you to be a doctor. You want, we, you got to be a lawyer. And, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily their passion. You know, right. I get to be happy. I'm, this is a little off topic, but you know, I've, we've talked with you before that I've worked the hoop group camps. Yeah. Like me working the hoop group camps. Like that was like my moment where, you know, I'm coaching col- some college level kids there at the hoop group camp during real four, uh, real high school, eight minute quarter games, four, eight minute yep. quarter games. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm coaching right now. And I have, you know, I'm making the decisions right now. Um, and, and I remember I, my car ride back home, I'm just driving and I'm like, wow. Like I just, as a 21 year old, these kids are 16, 17, 18, listening to me, calling yep. me coach. Yep. And I'm like, wow, like this is, this is like, this is what I've been dreaming for my whole life. Um, and I go, I, I mentioned that because there is no that without my dad without my dad pushing me in the right direction of what my passion is. Like he saw it and he pushed me in that direction. Um, so that's like how important he is. And then to have him there every step of the way at Marist and have him close, which 
not all players or managers have that luxury yeah. like to yeah. have him there and like be able to sit down with him and talk to him after a game or if he comes to a practice and just talk to him um and then the other great thing is a little off top off topic but like all the coaching staff at Marist were just so welcoming to him as well which like yes you would even this these this is a great story too is that like coach Dunn after practices would go and talk to him for 10-15 minutes and he would coach Dunn would ask my dad like hey what do you think we should doing should we do this and, dad, and my dad all the time he'd be like He's like, I'm an assistant coach at a public high school. What are you, what are you asking me for? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, and but I think my dad, you know, I go back to like he's living it, living out his kind of dream in college coaching through me. Like he loves that stuff, and like the fact that he pushed me in my passion, and he gets to be able to be a part of it, it is oh, like one of the most. It's one of the most you. fulfilling things I think in my life so far as a 21 year old. Absolutely. No, that that's great. And it's been so nice to see your relationship with your dad and like have you guys have something that you're both so passionate about and share that. Like I never had that with my dad. Like he likes, he he's interested in, in things that I'm not interested in at all. And I'm interested in things that he's not interested <laughs> in at all, but it's, it's just like, just to have that, like, I can't imagine it, it's gotta be the best feeling in the world. Yeah, it is. And, and like, there's nothing wrong with having a dad that has a different interest in you as well. Right. right? Like obviously yeah. you can have parents have different interests and this, as long as like you're happy and they're happy, like, and you both love each other. I mean, that's, that's all you can really ask for. Like, as like the biggest thing for me is that regardless of what I did, like I could have, like, you know, we share a passion, right. And that's yeah. fantastic. But regardless if, if I wanted to be a professional basket weaver, my dad would support me. Like, I'm just saying like, and I, and that's right. something that I don't, I don't take for granted that I have his, that style of parenting because I know there's parents that, that not, or not necessarily like that. Right. Yeah, no, it's definitely something to be grateful for to have parents, you know, who, who support you, you know, unconditionally. That's, that's the whole point of it uh, in terms of fam being a family member and having family is you love someone unconditionally, mm -hmm. you love and support them unconditionally. And, and that's a great thing. I'm so glad that you have had him for that. Uh, but, you know, moving forward, uh, so you're an early graduate. Talk to me about, you know, what it was like going to school, anticipating you're going to be there for four years. It's going to be four long, strenuous years, and you're out in three. Uh, you know, what, what was that? What was that like? You know, you're 21 years old. You're already, you already have a college degree. You already have your bachelor's degree. Well, what is that like? This one is kind of a little tough just because like, I'm still processing it to, to be honest with you. Like, even though I got the Manhattanville job and like, I remember getting that text saying that from the head coach saying I got it. And like my emotions, like my whole body, like I felt like, like, I felt like, like lifted, like there was like weight lifted right. from me when I got that text, but like, I wasn't really, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't really prepared. Like I'm thinking I'm going to be here for four years and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. And then right. all of a sudden I look at the credits and I'm like, I already knew I kind of <laughs> went in with like college yeah. credits from my high school, but I look right. at the, you know, the amount of credits and I'm like, Hey, I think I'm graduating. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> and like, I took a lot of classes that took that, you know, counted towards two requirements. Yeah. I, took, I even took one class that counted towards three. Oh, so you had you had some double dips. Yeah, so I I had some double and one triple dip for sure. Oh man, a triple um, dip. <laughs> and I don't know so, about that. so basically, you know, I look at the degrees and uh, the the credits, and I'm like, I'm gonna graduate in three years, and you know, part of me was really bummed, and part of me kind of still is a little bummed, just because I have I've made some of the best friendships of my life with, uh, uh, with you know, the people I met at Marist that I had no idea who they were beforehand. Uh, and they're having their senior year together and they're living together. And I know they're going to have a ball. Like I know they're going to, they're going to go be going exactly. They're going to be going to classes and hanging out and doing all those things. And like, I might be missing out. I mean, I am, I am going to be missing out on some of it, but like the trade-off at the same time from getting my bachelor's early one year early, as well as being 21, like I'm going to be, a college level coach coaching college basketball at age 21 with play. There are going to be some players that are the same age as me. Yep. Or older. Like, 
that's like that is the trade-off. Right. Like I'm going to miss out. I'm I am. I'm going to miss out on some stuff of some of my best friends in my life in my entire life. But at the same time, I'm getting to do something that most kids of my age might not necessarily get the opportunity to do. So it's like that's where like the 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 pros and cons come in. And I think yep. like the pros of being able to coach at 21 at a, at a college level program obviously outweigh me missing out with my friends and different things. And it's not to say that I'm never going to go up and see them because Manhattan right. and Manhattan aren't far away. Um, yeah. But like, just think about this. Like if I don't graduate now, the Manhattanville GA spots every two years. So yep. I don't get to apply to Manhattanville G- GA spot next year because there'd still be one more GA. The, the guy they hire this year, if it wasn't me, we would have two years. So yep. I wouldn't be going to Manhattanville for sure because I need to find something for that year to at least fill, um, you know, and, and it, you know, it's funny how that works out because I was talking about before, like how life just, the path just somehow <laughs> works out. Like it does. It, it's just weird how it does. It, it, it's weird how it works. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's the, the graduating in three years. It, it's a blessing and a curse because yeah. of that reason but i think it's more of a blessing because like what i said the pros outweigh the cons absolutely yeah you know song we're gonna live it up for you we're gonna we're gonna have a good time you know we're gonna rev- that's all i remember- can ask for right yeah always remember the good times with shawnee boy um but yeah no i i'm super proud of you man and i'm so glad that you're able to do that and that that's a huge accomplishment in itself you know to be 21 years old already coaching college basketball where some of the players on your team are going to be older than you, which is crazy. <laughs> might be, or at least as old. Right. Yeah. The same age, if not older, but you know, that that's amazing. That's going to be, uh, you know, a great experience for you. I'm super excited for you. And, you know, to finish off the podcast, I just mm-hmm. wanted to talk about that experience. You know, what are your expectations? You know, uh, how are you feeling going into this, you know, brand new experience and, uh, how, what was the process like uh, interviewing and going through that hole? And then, you know, just talk to me about, you know, how, how you feel going into this. What's your yeah, mind? Like? It's a great question. Uh, I'll break it up into to three different parts, I think. Okay. Um, first of all, I'll go through the interview process at, at first. For, so I saw it, right? And there was like, oh, it was like 90, I think it was 95 or 98 applicants for just this one GA spot. Jeez. Yeah, no, there was a lot of people. And I think COVID had part to do with it because the jobs were down and people were saying, well, why don't I go get a GA spot for two years? And then the economy will pick back up and I can get a job in something else, right? So there was like 98 applicants. And because of my coaching past in high school and especially at Marist, I got pushed to the last 10 all automatically, which was great. Right. Um, And then I texted the coaches at Marist who without them, I wouldn't have got this job as well. Coach Kevin Driscoll is actually pretty good friends with Chris Alisi. And, you know, he called them and told them the things that I'd done at Marist. And like, he didn't, it was not, there was not a lie there. He told me, you know, excuse me, for example, you know, he told, he told Chris, Coach Alisi straight up saying he's really good. He works really hard, but, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the on-court experience, especially at the college level and working out players, which is true. It just is true. Um, so I had to sell myself. You know, I had a, uh, an hour, over an hour FaceTime call with Coach Alisi, and he asked me different questions of how I can help the program, where do I want to be in five, ten years, and, and how I can help in film and getting players to classes and helping with academics, like the whole thing. Cause as a graduate, as an assistant coach at the D3 level, you know, you're not just coaching basketball. You're doing like all the administrative duties, the itinerary, the travel itineraries, you're getting kids schedules for classes and working it around practice. So you're doing all that stuff and making sure the kids have financial aid and all that stuff. So me being a manager at Marist and Dorian Long, the Dobo allowing me to learn all these things, helped me because a lot of the questions he asked, I had answers for and experience for. And then I kind of used my coaching at the high school level to say, well, coach, you know, Kevin was right. Like I don't have coaching experience at, you know, at Marist technically, but I do have experience working out high school level players and, and helping run practices 
and being and coaching in real games as an assistant coach at the high school level, which obviously is not a lie. Um, So, you know, I talked to him. He really liked me. He pushed me to, after that interview, he pushed me to the last four automatically, even texted me afterwards saying, oh no, he said it in the call. I remember at the last, he said at the end, he's like, you'll definitely be in my last four. Just I'll stay in touch. You'll be talk to one of the assistant coaches for the next interview. So I talked to one of the assistant coaches. He was actually the GA that's leaving. So I talked okay. to him. It went really well. It was like a 30, 45 minute call. Um, and, and excuse me, if I'm backtracking a little bit, but Kevin helped me out because he told me things I should make in advance. So I made like a coaching portfolio of all the things I did with film, um, things I did with Brewster basketball, scouting reports I've done, um, and uh, a, a, a travel itinerary that I helped Dorian Long with. So yeah. I did all that. I sent that to him. I made uh, a recruiting presentation on PowerPoint. I also made um, a mock schedule for a player on their team. Um, and there was something else too. Oh, and I showed the stat sheets of how I recorded stats on for practices as well. So I did. So like I was proactive and part of the reason why I was proactive was because coach Kevin Driscoll helped me out in, right. in being proactive. So that also pushed me along too, because of how prepared I looked and how prepared I was. Um, and so then I talked to the other assistant coach. I thought it went, it went fairly well. We had connections of different coaches we knew and stuff like that. And then this was lucky. I went into a virtual open house for the graduate school um, and the other assistant coaches, the graduate assist, the graduate admissions uh, director. So he was in the open house zoom call because of COVID. It was a zoom call. Um, And so I just messaged him privately saying, Hey coach, this is who I am. I'm, I'm the guy applying for the GA spot. Would love to talk to you. And he's like, Oh, awesome. Thanks for reaching out. How about we talk tomorrow on the phone? So I talked to him for 15, 20 minutes, um, and I got pushed to the last three after being the last four. And then after that, I was told to make a scouting report on Manhattanville themselves and Sarah Lawrence, who's in their conference, as well as make a practice schedule uh, and a, and a, uh, a mock itinerary for one of, the, one of the teams in their league. So I had to do those four, those four things. Um, and I did all that and sent, sent it in. And then I waited basically for a phone call. Um, and I felt really confident. I thought I presented myself really, really well for my age. And I did absolutely as much as I possibly could. Uh, and, and honestly, the, the phone call wasn't the, the phone call that I, was, I, that I wanted. It, it wasn't. I got a phone, phone call from Coach Alisi saying, hey, this really makes me upset to say this. It, like my stomach hurts right now saying this to you, but you're, we're going to go with a, an older guy who's coached at the D3 level who also coached in the same conference at Mount St. Mary's. Right. Okay. So I, and I said, okay, coach, I understand. I mean, he coached in the same conference, so he knows all the teams in it. And he's older and has D3 experience. And I think he actually even worked hoop group camps okay. um, as well. So I was like, thank you for giving me the opportunity, coach. I appreciate it. And hopefully we can stay in touch. You know, that was that. And from there on out, I kept a list. I kept, a, 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 I started to apply to a bunch of different um, college, a uh, bunch of different colleges or, or even prep schools to be assistant coaches. And I kept yep. a list. I think it made it up to every, everyone that said no to me, I crossed it off. And I think I went up to like 26 or 27 schools that said no to me. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to give up on, on my dream of coaching because I knew I would have regretted it. I knew, I knew for a fact I would have regretted it. And as I'm going about looking for, you know, coaching jobs and trying to make connections with college-level coaches, doing a lot of phone calls, um, things like that, a month and a half later, like a whole month and a half later, I get a text that just says, Sean McGee. And I was like, from, from the coach from Manhattanville. And he says – and I was like, hey, coach, what's up? Like, what, you know, why, you know, what's going on? And he's just like, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. The other guy ended up not, he wanted to get, he basically got out of coaching. And he didn't want to take it. You were my, and he said on the phone call too, that you were my runner up. And, yeah. You know, and I didn't know if he was actually serious about that or said it to, right. Just to make you feel, to better. make me feel good. Yeah. But then he, then he said, you were my clear runner up. I felt basically 
it made me uneasy not taking you too. Like he saw, he felt he was thinking about it. And he's, he said, I'm not messing around with interviewing other people. Do you still want the position? And I was just like, I remember I was down, I was down in my basement where I am now. I ran upstairs, ran upstairs to my dad and my mom and said, I just got offered the Manhattanville job. And we were all were like jumping up and down. Uh, and, uh, and so obviously I texted back like, heck yeah, I, I, I was still interested. Coach, he's like, great, we'll talk tomorrow. And then obviously the rest is history. Um, you know, I still haven't actually set foot on campus because of COVID, but I've been in calls with all the coaches and constant contact. And the whole reason why I'm working hoop group is because of him as well. Um, so he's been fantastic for me. And I've been watching tons of film on the team and trying to get familiar with the players and the different actions we run. Um, but then kind of transitioning now, and that's, that was the process, right? So right. basically the process ended with me getting a no, but because of how I presented myself and represented myself, uh, he felt that I was the, the clear guy to go to after the other guy ended up not going. And I think that shows how, like, even if you don't get a job, like in that moment, the coaches still know, like if you, you need to constantly show yourself as, as being like professional and stuff like that. So like, let's just say if I was like, you know, Oh, you didn't pick me. Come on. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, do you, like right. if I, if I said that on the phone call, like, do I get a text back after a month and a half? Like, I don't, like, I don't think so. Right. Um, but going into what I'm looking forward to is the fact, like, I know I'm young and I know I'm going to make mistakes and I just want, and the assistant coach, the other assistant coach there was a former D2 head coach for eight years at Concordia college. Oh, wow. Um, Brian Sunday. So I basically have two, two head coaches there that, you know, I know I, I'm confident in my ability to coach. I know I'm there for a reason, but there's still so much I, I can learn. So I'm, I'm really looking to absorb so much knowledge from those two coaches, whether it's X's and O's, how to build a program and things and different drills, how to, how to communicate to players. Like there's so many, and I saw a lot of that at Marist and I've learned a lot there, but like you can you never stop learning, especially with different coaches and how they coach. So like, that's one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to uh, and doing that. And then another thing is, the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting to live out my dream, which I've said before in this podcast, like you're going to have, I'm going to have college level players that, you know, I'm going to get a group of college level players and he's going to go, Sean, go work them out. Yep. And like, you have the responsibility to work them out and it, yep. it's on you to get those players better. And, and at the same time, as I'm getting them better on the court, like it's also my responsibility to get them high grades in the classroom and with academics and I think with my connections in the sport, there's just, there's like four or five players that are sports studies majors on the team. And I think like with my connections I've made with, you know, whether it's Kingston Stockade, a semi-pro soccer team or New York City FC, like things like that, that yeah. I can find these guys different internship opportunities somewhere where I can reach out um, and, and get them something and hopefully help them along their academic career. Because obviously at the division three level, a lot of these guys aren't going to turn pro. Um, so academics are, are vitally important. So if I can help them out on the basketball court as well as off, I think that's something I'm going to look forward to as well. Um, and, and then kind of lastly, it's just like, just, just going there and experience it all. Like, right. It, it just like the fact that, that I have this opportunity that I, like, I'm not taking it for granted going there and, and seeing the different things in college basketball that I haven't seen at Marist or I haven't seen at coaching in high school and just learning and help and ho hopefully building connections and relationships with players and coaches that help me further down my further down the road in my career. Absolutely. Yeah. No, dude, like I said, I'm so excited for you to finally have this opportunity and it's going to be a great experience for you, you know, to, to get, like some hands-on coaching experience and to really work with guys. And like you said, you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be some bumps in the road, but you know, that that's going to build your character. That's going to just help you as grow as a person and as a coach. And in so many ways, it's just all a part of your process. And I think the fact that, you know, uh, he passed on you the first time and came back the second time, that's just going to be another added, you know, experience that you've had to go through and some adversity that you've had to face. And then when you're faced with similar adversity in the, in the future, 
it, it's not going to seem as bad, you know, because pain and, and suffering and stuff like that is always relative to, you know, the person who's experiencing it. And if you are able to get through something like that and understand, you know, persevere and uh, write down 26 different, uh, how, however many places you were going to yeah. apply to or go to or try to work for and, and still keep trying and trying and trying, like that's just going to not only, that's just going to help you grow and continue to, you know, become the best coach you can be. And I, there's not a doubt in my mind that you're going to end up being the best coach you could possibly be. Uh, you know, you, you got this work, you got the passion, you got the love, you got the work ethic. Uh, you know, all you need to do is just get the experience and, and you're there, you know, and I'm so excited for you. I'm so glad you came on the podcast today, Shawnee. Uh, is there anything you, else you'd thank like you for to having say? me this has been really fun really really fun hopefully we can do it again sometime maybe maybe me and eddie can collab together or cash me and Absolutely. cash can collab hey man i would love that it's just it would be just like old days you know that, true that man true that yeah yeah and and i'm so glad like sean i'm so glad that you you gave me a great podcast because i don't know for how many months you were saying you know I'd be a good, I'd be a good <laughs> on your podcast, Yo, you know? That wasn't even months. That was years. For, for a year, I've been saying, T, you have a podcast. Why am I not on the podcast? <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be like I'd, be, I'd be a great, great guest. I'd be like, oh, okay, Every so, time you, okay. you had a new podcast, you would probably get a text from me saying, Terrence, how, how have I not had a podcast? Yeah, yeah. What, why am I not on this thing yet? Huh? Huh? What are you doing? In your, in your, in your, your, your accent from down wherever you're. Are you kidding me? My accent. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're getting at, but I've had a fun time with this podcast. So share this out with the world. It'll probably get thousands and thousands of views. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, one thing before you go is like we talked about the 26 and 20 or 27, whatever colleges it was that I crossed right. off. Like it goes back to like anything you do in life. Like there's going to be people that tell you no along the way. There's going to be a lot of people that tell you no, but like. If you're really passionate about something and, you know, there was a time that I, I wavered on it too. Should I really do coaching? Um, and, and, or should I just move on because of how hard it could be? But like, I think if you have a passion, you just got to go chase it. That's just, just what I, that's what, that's just what I think. And I don't have an accent. So <laughs> thank you for having me on T. Um, I'll do this again anytime, man. Of course. Of course. That was the Sean McGee interview. I want to thank you all for listening and I will see you next week.